Welcome to the Santa Cruz Coffee Break. If you're watching on YouTube or listening on Apple Podcasts, please follow, hit the like button, or any subscribes. It really helps us with the algorithms. Santa Cruz Coffee Break is produced by the Santa Cruz Guitar Players Forum. All opinions are those of the speakers. We invite you to join us on the Santa Cruz Guitar Players Forum at SCGCPF for more fun. Now, let's get on with this installment of Santa Cruz Coffee Break. I'm live here, maybe. That's great. Perfect way to be to introduce number 72. And we are so blessed today to have Lloyd Bags with us from LR Bags. There's a connection there between who we have and the name. I'm sure you can all tell. But um, Lloyd's going to give us a little history and and, uh, have a little fun and then talk to us about a couple of new, absolutely revolutionary pickups that we are so, so excited to hear about. Oh, thank you very much. So um, I'm all yours. What would you like to know? (laughs) Well, you guys just had this great conversation about growing up in Berkeley, and I'm I'm really sorry that we didn't record it. But um, and something you said is the first guitar you bought was a complete piece of crap, but you took it home and shaved the braces. Yeah. Yeah, where was, did that where did that where did that kind of hoopspot come from i mean really yeah yeah <laughs> I, yeah it was i mean i feel kind of feel sheepish about to it to this day about it but i got my my start in making guitars um i, I got interested in guitars and and uh thought i'd try to play play the blues it turns out i really sucked at it but i love the guitar anyway so I was living in Berkeley at the time and there was this wonderful store by the name of Lundberg's and oh my God, the treasures they had in that store. Um, uh, uh, just amazing. Um, and so I, I started buying the cheapest guitar I could get my hands on, which I don't know, might've been a hundred, 200 bucks, something like that. And, and, but I was kind of interested in the physics of the guitar. So I would get in there and with a chisel or whatever and shave the braces and see if I could make the thing sound better. And I don't, I don't think I really did, but Lundberg's had this um, policy at the time where you could uh, trade back a guitar at the same price that you paid if you traded up. So I think I probably ruined three or four guitars on my way to this triple O 21 brazilian rosewood herringbone from might have been 4041 that uh um when i was fast forwarding to fast forward here to establishing my pickup business i sold that guitar to david lindley for a thousand dollars and then you know tried to buy it back a few times and david god bless him he would never let anything go but he told me that merle haggard offered him a blank check for that guitar and he wouldn't take it so you know i mean anyway so but that got me into that 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 shaving braces thing kind of got me into making guitars because as i said i sucked at at playing it and so then i i built my first guitar in my garage in berkeley um must have been i started it and started it in 74 yeah something like that and uh i had a beautiful original washburn 
oval hole carved top along the way that I just loved. And so I thought, well, that I'm going to make that. And so I bought some wood from some guy over in the, in the city that had a, had made guitars for Jerry Garcia or something like that. And I bought a set of some wood and, and just went to it. I bought the only book that had any, anything at all to do with how to make a guitar and the chapter on tone was about three paragraphs and but anyway you know i i started i started building this guitar and i made this carved top i made a carved top a uh, oval hole round hole carved top guitar and uh it, it wasn't very good but um I, the the day i was working in the city at the time and so the day I was going to go home to string it up, one of my friends was encouraging me, telling me it probably, he knew I was going to string it up that day. And he said, probably sound like a 10 penny nail hitting the asphalt on a hot day. <laughs> so it, it actually sounded a little bit better. And, and about halfway through that guitar, I, I just knew I, I love building guitars and that's what I was going to do for my life. And, um, through my employment in Los Angeles previously, I had gotten to know Ry Cooter and I was in the fine art business and his wife was an artist. So I got to know Ry through, through Susan. And so I took the guitar down to Ry just to see what he thought. And then maybe in the hopes that he'd, he'd, he'd like me to make one for him. And, you know, he did, he asked me if he'd, if I'd make one for him. So Okay, great. So I moved from um, San Francisco down to Los Angeles at the time because I knew the that's where the musicians were. There was a bigger music scene in L.A. at the time. So I, uh, me, me and my girlfriend got a loft in an old fire station in downtown L.A. I built my shop, and this this loft we were <clears throat> we were there for eleven years ultimately. And it's about a half a mile east of what the of either the Staples or um, Crypto Center is now. So it was in the bowels of downtown Los Angeles, and we were there for eleven years. I'm just I'm kind of a city rat, so I, I really kind of enjoyed it. And and uh, so I set about making guitars and building my clientele, and um, ultimately, <clears throat> ultimately I made thirty two acoustic guitars and i've made it i made it made two for rye and one for jackson brown one for janicean um and a number of other professional jazz musicians in la and um i was uh, you know i was blessed with a pretty good clientele but i was really working hard on this tone thing and uh as i said the only the only only information I could get on guitar tone was, was, was paltry, but I knew that violin makers had studied that kind of thing. And so I, I found this crazy, crazy group of scientists called the cat gut acoustical society that were physicists, electrical engineers, you name it, uh, like really eminent scientists that were trying to reverse engineer Stradivari. And so I, I joined this group only understanding 3% of what they were talking about. 
but started to duplicate some of their tests on guitars like like uh, now people use laser interferometry to freeze the modes of a guitar top and that's pretty commonplace but back in the day i just had an old radio shack speaker and some salt and pepper and a sweep generator so so i could look what see what the modes were doing and trying to learn what a top was doing and and uh really it was just all about getting you know using some science to fast track the experience part so i could build better guitars uh sooner and establish my reputation well and at some point you gave up on better and started working on louder i i assume <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, so um yeah, that happened uh pretty organically. Uh about that time I uh, about that time um Rye was really doing a lot. He Rye was one of the kind of the first guys to really dive in really hard in amplifying an acoustic guitar. He was one of the pioneers. And so he'd bring all kinds of contraptions down to my shop to install in the guitar that I'd built for him. And he was touring Europe and Japan a lot at the time. And um, he was, his wife was friends with the then president of uh, Takamini, Mas Harade. And uh, so, so on this one trip to Japan, they, they invited Rai to the factory and he, of course he played a little, a little gig for him. And, and then, uh, he, when he came back, he said, he told me, he said, you know, I never let this guitar out of my hands, but I have this feeling, I have this feeling that they're going to copy this guitar. So, you know, six, eight months goes by and I had just finished a second acoustic for him and he was working on uh, Bop Till You Drop. And I get this call one afternoon and says, hey, Lloyd, how'd you like to come down to Warner Brothers? So something I'd like you to hear. And I'm going, oh, cool. Okay. He's using this guitar on this album. You know, I'm like, oh, oh, oh this is going to be good. And I walk into the studio and I saw what I thought was a, what was the guitar I had built for him. And so then he brings me into the control room and plays the first instrumental track on that album. And my jaw was on the floor. I mean, those big soffited monitors, uh, you know, the big monitors at, at uh, Warner's. And, I mean, I was like blown away. It sounded incredible. And I turned to him and I said, what in the heck did you mic that thing? He said, well, that's what I wanted you to see. I didn't mic it. That, remember I told you I thought Takamini might copy your guitar? And I said, yeah. He said, well, that was it. And they put their new pickup system in it. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Uh -huh. Excuse me? <laughs> and so that was a weird, weird, weird moment. And that was the moment. That was the, that was it. That's where I turned on a dime. And so I was the weirdest combination of excited thrilled and pissed those those you know those it's hard to hard to describe how you can have those emotions going on at the same time but 
ultimately, I was really excited about this. He said, I never let it out of my hands. I swear, you know, but they sent it to me and it just works, doesn't it? And I'm going, yeah. So um, then uh, I remember sitting out in my car for hmm, 20, 30 minutes after I left the studio and alternately fuming and being excited, fuming, excited, fuming, excited. And, you know, the nickel dropped into the slot. I said, you know, this is where the industry's going, and I want to be a part of it. And, you know, and honestly, I was getting tired of sanding and finishes by that point. Uh, making a guitar is easy. Putting People don't understand how difficult a good finish is. And, uh, you know, the guitar was the easy part. The finish was, like, it was toxic and hard and a lot of work and... And then, of course, you could always sand through or buff through. And so anyway, here comes this pickup thing. And uh, so about three months later, um, Riot arranged for he and I to meet with Mr. Harate at the Anaheim uh, Nam Show when it was at the Disneyland Hotel. And so here I am with Ry Cooter, an American treasure, trucking down the tin in my beat to crap old pickup truck you know and i was like i i look back on it now and i shudder but anyway i ryan and i drove to the to the show together and met with mr harate and very gracious man he had a translator there and so basically i just said hey you know uh, you know thanks for copying my guitar i think you did a pretty nice job and you know um I would have been actually really happy to help you if you would have asked me, don't you think you owe me a little something? And he puts his head down and he goes, yeah, what do you want? And ah. I said, I said, okay, well, I make 10 guitars a year. I want to amplify them. And I know you don't sell your pickups to anybody, but will you sell me 10 systems a year? And he looked at me like I was a crazy man and said, stuck out his hand, said, okay, you're on. That's all you want? Yep, that's all I want. So a month or so goes by, a couple of systems um, land in my lap. And of course, I took one apart and I was, it, it had, if you guys remember the old Takamini pickup system, which is still great. It had this boat anchor thing that hung underneath the bridge that was just, you could, you would never dream of putting something like that in a nice guitar. So basically I just thought, okay, well, let me reverse engineer this thing. And I didn't know anything about electronics or piezo or I didn't know anything. So, um, I got busy working on the pickup and I would scrape hot dots to get the piezo out of them. And my first, the first thing that worked was six hot dots embedded in a bridge below the saddle in epoxy. And that actually sounds pretty good. So um, that was the first thing I did that sounded decent. So, but I thought, yeah, nobody's gonna do, you know nobody's gonna do this. 
I couldn't sell this. So then how could I make it into a pickup? And that was what eventually became the LB6. I, I, it, it's, uh, it's pretty tough when you're would be Rye Cooter. And your first reference to tone would be a 41 Martin. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, obviously the right steps. Just, I, I, I'm aghast. I, I was kind of a little bit a part of that LA scene at, at the same time. Oh, were and you? I know, yeah, and I, I worked on the border. Uh, oh, wow. all these pickup systems there was these barkus berries oh were yeah just, they, they were just terrible and and you, you had to like have glue to stick them on and and then there yeah. was it was trace amulet has they were just oh yeah 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 that this, was that was called the frap flat audio frequency response or something like that and yeah. uh that was arnie lazarus that was a genius that was a genius pickup difficult to um support with my experience with them they didn't travel well yeah richard do you know your audio levels kind of coming and going yeah um i, I didn't i'm sorry um let me uh, move in on that a little bit there you any go. better yeah. any better yeah. yeah it's the afternoon up here and <laughs> it's cold actually yeah you're in you're in slo right yeah in monterey and you know we get that dang cold wind from the oh ocean yeah right yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I used to i used to race uh downhill mountain bike and i'd come up to monterey for the sea otter every year yeah and down here we call it sea otter weather oh my god it just cuts right through your skin there just isn't enough jackets to keep you warm yeah what well, the 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 the, the, the go away. He's still breathing. Um, uh, the uh, the AT and T was a great example of it, with it supposed to be Crosby weather, you know, and and uh, they changed it all around this year. It really messed it up. Nobody uh, nobody came. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it rained out. It was great. Um, uh, yeah, let's uh. Let's move to the new pickups. But well, I, I know I want to know the connection between you and, and and Richard Hoover. Oh, well, gosh, uh, well, I've I admired him and his guitars long before I met him, and oh gosh, maybe twenty or some odd years ago, I was just just a pup at the Nam show and was looking for a nice guitar to put a pickup in and i think we were starting to do a little business with richard and i and so uh he lent me a guitar a little triple o-ish all mahogany guitar and which i after i played it a couple of times told him he was never getting it back <laughs> i still have the instrument is and so you know i've admired him for a long time and uh, admired what Santa Cruz is about and what they're what Santa Cruz is doing and um, so you know we've just become friends over the years and um, and I've, yeah that's pretty much it you know just the natural course of becoming friends getting to know each other and 
and uh you know we we're kind of co-conspirators sometimes on certain things and we share we would share some artists so that helped us connect um and uh but probably, probably breaking down in your old pickup trucks at the same time too so yeah you know that that pickup truck that richard has was the same year of mine it was basically the same pickup truck uh, unfortunately mine got stolen uh before we moved out of la so uh i never got to um i never got to nurture and nurse it into its uh old age but uh it was actually pretty old then but you yeah. know it was I, I really miss that i still look for that truck every time i see one on the freeway or something like that i'm going is that it you know <laughs> oh yes so after the the lb6 how many different models of pickups have you made over the years oh gosh well we've we've been chasing the same thing mm -hmm. since day one you know basically how do you make uh amplified acoustic guitar sound respectable and um but I, I'd like to double back to Rye for a minute because his experience set the stage for me. And, you know, he was at the time, at the time, it was pretty much a magnetic pickup and a microphone inside the instrument. And he and a number of other practitioners would have a rack the size of a refrigerator that they would tour with, with you know, just to try and make it work with EQs and all this other kind of stuff. And I vividly, I used to go visit and visit Rye a few times. And I vividly remember his studio and his rack and he telling me tales about it failing. And he always swore at it. I mean, it was just like, it was such, it was such a shrine to pain that <laughs> that was the point at which i went not only does not only does it have to sound good it has to be easy and fun to use so it was that crazy rack of stuff rye had that only rye could manipulate that uh really set set the course for our later electronics but back to your question Okay, well, we made the LB6. That was we. Had, that was all we had for a while, and then we did a ribbon. Uh, first, our first under saddle pickup was the thing we called a ribbon transducer, which was a PVDF film die cut thing. It sounded pretty nice for an under saddle pickup. And then we did, we did uh, the element, which was a more advanced under saddle pickup that we still make today. Um, but back with the LB6, we did our first duet, which was the LB6 with a microphone. And I think it was the first commercial onboard system, uh, had a side mount preamp and some controls and a crossover, uh, that separated the mic from the pickup and a mixer and, uh, a, a number of, a number of artists, uh, to this day still use it. Um, and then we did, uh, then we did the I-beam, which was our first bridge plate pickup, 
um, that sounded pretty good, but you couldn't play it very loud. And that's always actually been one of the um, Achilles heels of any kind of bridge plate pickup is if, if you think about a microphone and a vocalist, um, an under saddle pickup is you're, you're eating the mic. If, if, if my voice is the guitar, under saddle pickup is you're eating the mic. You're just getting mostly string. And then you move the mic a little further away and you're getting more body with the bridge plate pickup. Then you move the mic a little further away and you're using a microphone. So it becomes more, more like going from a soloist to the choir. But you need all those voices in the choir to overwhelm that microphone to get the level up. So if it's just your guitar, you know, the further away from the string you get, the more feedback prone the thing's going to be. So um, the I-beam was pretty cool. And in certain, certain, in certain locations, certain venues and people willing to, you know, have a little bit of rise rack with them, they could make it work. And, uh, what's that the mini rack yeah the mini rack so <laughs> you re remember the pendulum <laughs> yes i mean that was great uh, it was a two-channel thing you know the the great the guy that invented it was uh, greg galtieri who was um he was a ex he was an engineer from honeywell or one of those big prestige mit or something and it really was pretty cool. So the mic and the pickup guys were in heaven for a while, but it was still a lot of kit to haul around and try to make work. So that's why we built the duet the way we did is just to make, you know, plug and play has really always been our mantra um, because of that rack of rise. And um, we've had a heart for, you know, very few musicians really want to be electrical engineers or recording engineers and they just want to plug in and sound like what they want to sound like and you know that, that, that it's not that easy but still we feel like it's an appropriate goal yeah. to to facilitate that i think we all like to play with the knobs and dials and sliders some but uh, our patient wears off quickly and uh, we just want good sound yeah <laughs> you know, there's a little bit of fun in the beginning playing with all the little goodies and you know you you actually might be a little unusual in that respect i mean a, a lot of guys are just really allergic to the technology it's it's just they just want to they're entertainers they're they're artists and they don't really a lot a lot of people just want to plug in and sound good so that's really what we've been all about you know on our trajectory just trying to get closer and closer to you know just plug it plug in and you know so many times your first your first song for so many of our clients is the for is the sound check you know there's the there's the war zone down on lower broadway in nashville um and you know it's it's not very pretty out there in most places you know you get the guys that can play performing art centers and the the better venues once they get advanced in their career but most of the guys most of our customers are weekend warriors playing churches uh which is usually a pretty good place but still 
Yeah. It's, it's the guy is that most of our, most of our clientele are working musicians. So, um, you know, we try to make it easy and rewarding for them to plug in. Which sounds like a perfect lead into your latest product, which, uh, you introduced it now. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, <laughs> so we introduced, uh, this is part of a part of a product that we introduced last year at NAM, which was a, a pickup we call the hi-fi pickup. And if you can see that guitar here in the background, there's two little black dots on the bridge plate, basically underneath the saddle uh, on either side of that thing in the middle, which we'll talk about later. Those are bridge plate pickups. And since the uh, I-beam, it sounded, sounded good, but you couldn't play it very loud. Um, we have been working on bridge plate pickups for a long, long time. And um, we have a lot more failures than we have successes. And our successes are built on our failures, but we fail a lot. And that's one area where maybe four, four or five years ago, I took almost a full year um, and tried to come up with a bridge plate pickup that had that was that was um, had similar feedback rejection to an under saddle pickup. Um, so, I I thought I had something about three years ago. Uh, I took it to Nashville. A touring musician with, um, gosh, a, a big. I think he was playing with the Dixie Chicks. He was, yeah, he was playing with the Dixies. He had a prototype of it and he loved it, but he was on in-ears. And then I took it, I took it to a studio. The recording engineer loved it. Then I took it to a nightclub. It was a disaster area. <laughs> it, 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 it didn't feed back. It just sounded awful. So once you put, you know, once you put the wedges on it and, and you're on a small cramp stage, it was like, oh. So anyway, I was pretty disheartened and and I thought I, I'm going to give this a rest for a while. And our general manager, Bo, said, hey, look, can I take a crack at it? I said, well, sure, man, knock yourself out. <laughs> so um, he actually pulled the sword out of the rock and came up with what is currently now pretty much what what that is, two separate pickups on either side of the bridge plate under the saddle between the a and the and the e and the the uh e and the b and um the most notable feature of those pickups is you can play them really loud um we tested them on 20 20 something guitar different guitars here with a big pa and in all but one guitar, they were the same or slightly better from feedback rejection. And in only one guitar, was it worse? And it was maybe two or three dB worse. It wasn't bad. So then, you know, the team jumped in and we refined them and we introduced the um, introduced those pickups last year. And uh, we won an editor's pick award on them and the uh, and we got a few awards and the most notable feature about the pickups is um, 
they've got great dynamics. They're really spanky when you get into them and you play them, play them soft. They're good, but the dynamics are really, that was, that was what I was really working on with my prototype is trying to get some kind of dynamics out of it. Cause typically if you just tape something to the bridge plate, it, the bridge plate doesn't move, move that much. So the sound can be a little bit flat. So that was the big deal uh, was dynamics and feedback rejection. So um, we were able to, uh, over a period of maybe six or eight more months, refine the design to where um, we commercialized it at the NOM show last year. And um, it's been doing really well for us. Uh, mostly five-star reviews uh, on Sweetwater. And um, yeah, it's just been kind of, you know, we're, we've we're doing really well with them it's been a it's been a real rewarding product and the installation is the other the other thing is almost all bridge plate pickups you have to glue in the guitar also the the i-beam you didn't but the uh a lot of the other competitors you have to glue in the guitar and i don't like gluing anything to a bridge plate so this is a peel and stick installation nice and it sounds terrible when you try and glue it in because most people are used to that kind of pickup they want to glue it in so uh you know we we voiced it and designed it so it was peel and stick that was that was a that was a box wall we weren't going to let go of so um yeah being a guitar maker um i do respect the guitar and uh so we're tr we try to do as little damage to it as we can with our, or change it or alter it as as little as we can with our electronics. And you know, I'm I'm kind of, you know, we still do make some side mount preamps for less expensive guitars, but um, we were I'm pretty sure our company started the no cut movement with the sound with a good sound hole controller 15 or 20 years ago um with the anthem oh i forgot to mention the anthem that was the uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah a little pickup <laughs> yeah um man i tell you that thing we we introduced that 13 years ago and it was it was like the next evolution in our microphone mixing pickup system and that has gone on to become a classic for us. And, you know, we see them all over the place. We see them on the Grammys. We see them all over the place. And uh, I was just blown away the other day. We were just watching the Super Bowl. And Post Malone comes on to sing America the Beautiful. And here he is front and center with his guitar with an anthem in his sound hole. And, like, you know, that's that's about as good as it gets. But 123 million people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good look at that. <laughs> yeah. So, and I'm just like praying, don't fail, don't fail, don't fail, don't fail. <laughs> which is, which is, which is another another big thing that we're we we work so hard on, um, reliability. That's the only thing more important to us than sound and use uh, a nice user interface is reliability is 
you never know, you know, who, who's going to be at your gig that, that could advance your career. And, you know, if your equipment goes down, you know, that I, you know, I, I don't, we don't, our company just firmly believes we shouldn't take money for something that's not going to work. You, you never want to have to worry about your equipment. Uh, no, no. I mean, we all still do. Well, but, yeah. But, you know, that's the other thing. We test every single thing that goes out of our building. We test every pickup. We, you know, we have a big QC department, every preamp, every everything. Um, we test it. It's got to work. We have a, a little guitar fixture that we put every under saddle pickup in. That's like a kind of like a lap steel, the the strings come down on it and every single pickup. So, you know, we want, you know, and we don't want, and we insist it's, it's our, you know, our responsibility to put things out, you know, to put products out that, that, that work. Uh, amazing. Amazing. Just truly. It, how, how many working musicians carrying on your back you know with yeah. with, with yeah. this that and that that's such a cool thought because it, they grow into it sure they get big and 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 then and then things happen but the guy in the trench is I, I'm, I'm 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 so grateful and everything to hear you say that lloyd it it, it it's the right thing well, our company is really founded on values. Um, man, along the way, getting to uh, our company, I had a bit of a um, detour. Um, we ran aground. Uh, you know, I stopped, I pretty much stopped making guitars when I started trying to make the LB6. And then in the in the in so then uh kind of fast forward you know about the time we had the lb6 i was married had a daughter had a little baby daughter and we were broke 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 and uh so i took a job selling cars and i sold cars for four years while i was building learning how to build the pickups better and and I'd stopped building guitars finally, but I was just building pickups and trying to build a business up and get out of debt. And uh, so um, that was a that was a pretty serious sojourn detour uh, for me. Um, but you know, the funny thing was, I actually ended up liking it a lot, and it was the first time in my life I ever had any money. And and uh, even though we had been eating, you know turkey hot dogs and cabbage and ramen and just you know trying to just you know just scrape by and put every cent we could in paying our paying off our charge cards and and uh which by the way is one of my big um crusades guys if you're listening to me credit debt is slavery pay off your cards and don't ever look back you really shouldn't be buying anything you can't afford unless it's a dire emergency. So please, you'll be free. If you ever want to be free, pay off your credit cards. Yeah. 
life 101 yeah <laughs> you yeah. know bottom line life 101 yeah um you i can't i i can't i just can't see how you and richard could possibly get together with <laughs> with with what i'm hearing here with values and and uh, company values and personal values gee the two of you have nothing in common Oh no! <laughs> just nothing in common. I, I, I just don't get it at all. Um, I did a Super Bowl. I did Super Bowl, Super Bowl eighty-four in eighty. It was in eighty-four, and it was the Washington and the Dolphins, and it was my job to press a button properly during the halftime show, and that was. Yeah, you're standing there with 123 million people looking at your pickup. But boy, when you're standing there and you're realizing that you got it, you got it. It's a tape machine. It's a quarter inch tape machine, and it's got so many things that can go wrong with it. And oh. everyone, everyone turns and looks at you for that one second, and then that was the job. One second, boom, do that. I mean, you wow. know, you had, but. It's a little pressure there. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And big fun. Big fun. You know. I mean, the whole whole a, a, after that fifteen seconds was over with, it was like, uh, you know, I'm in the press box. This is. It doesn't get better. You know. Yeah. <laughs> At that time, there were no luxury boxes in Pasadena, but but uh, it didn't get better than that. But I just don't understand how you and Richard get along. It's, <laughs> yeah, he's he's kind of he's kind of tough to take uh yeah. <laughs> he's great man richard i just I, you know he has held the course right like it it's being uh being the leader of a company can be a real lonely place um and yeah sometimes people don't get your vision and think you should do things different ways. And, um, you know, I, we've been blessed to be surrounded by uh, an incredible group of people here that have bought into our, our vision and our methods. Um, but you know, it's like in those early days, it's lonely. Because, you know, maybe you don't have a bunch of people around you. You don't have a lot of success. You're doing something and nobody gets it. And and so um, it's it's lonely. I'll give you the shout out for Mike Newsom, who was really helped put this thing together. And, and, and as he was saying, well, yeah, I've been here 22 years. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, he... <laughs> Mike, Mike is one of our success stories. He started when he started here, he started as an assembler and he, he was sleeping in his car in the parking lot. And so we've had, you know, we have a number of people that started in high school and now they're in management here. And, um, uh, I love the, I love that they grow with the company and, um, you know, they've, they've all got wonderful assets and, and, and lend them to the company. And, um, that's, that's another one of our, that's another one of our, um, 
the values is I realized maybe eight or 10, maybe 10 years or so ago that our, our product, our product really isn't pickups or electronics. That's what we make. And that's the excuse, but our product is building people within our organization. And I remember coming out of college man, I couldn't find my rear with two hands and a flashlight. And I was so lost and life just looked like this huge uphill, you know, I was just lost. And so, I, I mean, I, I've got a real heart for the 20 somethings that are just lost. And, you know, we've, we've had a number of those join our ranks and, uh, you know, I kind of feel like we're the lost boys and, uh, <laughs> just just trying to ramble forward and make a make a living for you know make you know scratch out a living for everybody and and uh, do some good stuff while we're at it so behind you is the high five right? yes and there's that between the two uh e and the a and the in the B? Yeah, there's a little eyeball in there. And um, let's see if I can get this a little closer. Yeah. Oh, there. boy. There you go. Yeah. So um, as as everything starts out here at our um, business, R&D, um, Things start out innocently enough with, hey, what would an anthem mic sound like with these hi-fis? <laughs> well, we <laughs> answered that pretty quickly. It didn't sound that good. And the 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 anth the the hi-fis have a certain signature and need a certain complement. So then it turns out that for the style of mic that we make, uh, which basically we're using some microphone technology that does a fairly good job of eliminating the sound of the inside of the guitar. Um, inside of a guitar kind of sounds like a loose lug nut rattling around in a Volkswagen hubcap. It's not pretty. So we're trying to get rid of that but re retain the good stuff coming off the top. So everybody, you know, the, you know, people say they want their pickup system to sound like their guitar. No, they don't. What they really want it to sound like is af is if it's been recorded professionally. And that doesn't sound like your guitar either, but different guitars sound different when they're recorded professionally. So, the the grail was to make a microphone inside the guitar sound like it was outside the guitar in a studio so it turns out that that spot where that particular mic is does the best job of eliminating the inside of the guitar while sounding like it's on the outside and the anthem mic just wouldn't fit there either so we had to shrink that um 
enter another year of abject pain in trying to make the thing work. And the thing that's really, really frustrating and kind of dangerous is if you get a good result too early, you're kind of hooked. And then you know it can happen, but <laughs> you don't know why it happened. So in the early days of prototyping anything, there's all these mistakes. You just make mistakes left and right. And so as you progress towards the final product, you really work on you're What you're trying to do is eliminate the human and get rid of the craftsmanship mistakes or happy accidents and things like that. So this mic was so small. Um, wow. We had to engine, we engineered this shock mount that the microphone capsule floats on about 300 grams of machine brass inside of the housing. The housing spun aluminum and then perforated with holes. This isn't plastic. There isn't a piece of plastic in this mic. And um, so then we, we made this shock mount that floats in a little, little capture in the rim that the mic mount sits in. And while we were prototyping the thing, uh, the, the mic mount kind of, the capsule goes inside of it, but you screw it together. And it's supposed to bottom out with a certain thickness for the mic mount. Well, the, mic, the sheet material would vary enough that if one quarter turn would change the sound of the mic, of, you know, of, of pressure on the shock mount. And man, did I get an appreciation for microphone designers and have come to believe that it's not just a great capsule and some great electronics that, that make a microphone and basic yeah. physics the housing of the microphone is uh as is probably about as alive as a guitar is so we've been down this rabbit hole hanging out with johnny depp and the you know cheshire cat and it's been it's been uh it's been the craziest adventure design adventure we've ever been on to wrestle all the bits and pieces in the submission to where they are like, I can make 10 of them now. And, and they're all going to do the same. And again, back to that reliability thing, some of the things we were doing on, during early on that worked, I would never let one of those out of the building because I wouldn't, I wouldn't trust that it would work at the Super Bowl. So um, that's been, you know, actually that's probably the biggest challenge of of r d is is not losing the happy accident as you march forward to making it a product that you can rely on and depend on and uh that's that's been the big challenge here sounds like making a great record <laughs> yeah maybe or for that matter yeah. a guitar you know and yeah, yeah get that happy accident and you just kind of uh oh wow yeah and then let's so, see how it acts after we ship it on united <laughs> yeah 
So then we we had to had to come up with a, a, a circuitry, of course. And so this little guy up here is the controller, and that has the inputs, outputs, a mixer, so you can go back and forth between the pickups and the microphone, which still have a little bit of pickup in them. It's not like a percentage. It's a, a little, a little bit of low frequency content we borrow from the, borrow from the uh, hi-fi's, but you can go all the way to mic, all the way to um, the pickups by themselves, and it's got a little battery check, and um, we made this one disappear into the sound hole as much as possible this time. You can see that from from a user standpoint you know you can barely see it so at at the at the time when we were using the cream color for our magnetic pickup which i forgot to talk about um we did a sound hole magnetic pickup that had some body sensitivity to it that was a, a, a huge success for us and people still use it all over the globe and uh, we were making it this kind of bone cream color. And when we introduced it, people were saying, why don't you make black ones? We, we don't like this. We want black ones. Well, our, our uh, <laughs> Ryan, our COO, used to say, well, we tried black, but it didn't sound as good. Those, those, those cream, double cream PAFs, nothing like them. Nothing like them, exactly. Nothing like them. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, when we did the Anthem sound hole controller, same thing, cream. And so I was pretty happy that we did that because I might not have seen it in Post Malone's guitar on Sunday. <laughs> but, and it really helped establish our, our brand because it was so visible. But I, I feel we're at a hit point in our history where we don't need to try quite so hard to establish our brand yeah uh, people trust us people like us you know i mean i think i think from a from a, a human equity standpoint we're appreciated and you know we have we have trust and so we don't feel like we need to it's it's now it's okay to make things disappear where before, you know, I was just, I, I, you know, if I, if you'd wear a billboard hat that said LR bags, I would have plugged it into the, into the power, you know? So <laughs> that was another thing we were, we were working on. And that controller actually has more circuitry inside of it than the Anthem does. Wow. Oh. Well, well, well. It, even if nobody had ever heard of LR bags, the fact that Richard Hoover puts them in his guitars immediately elevates the status of, well yeah, yeah. Which, which kind of blew my mind seeing those the hi-fis in richard's private collection at the nom show that, like that was that was what so many conversations with him about about pickups and amplification and the fact that when he i, I did exactly the same thing he said oh they'll all have these these bags pickups and i went uh Okay, sure. Yeah. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say anything about something you say, Richard. 
I, I've actually had people bring their vintage guitars, certain vintage guitars to me and want me to put a pickup in it, you know, over the years. And I've just said, oh, please, no, I, I really don't want to do this. this. This guitar is just so that's another thing. Uh, another one of my crusades is about keeping vintage guitars, the, the, the treasure vintage guitars off of loud stages because they get vibrant you know the a guitar tops like a pair of blue jeans it's a little stiff when you buy it and then pretty soon it just breaks in and it's got this sweet spot of maybe a year or so where it's like oh it's just great and then one too many washes eh, they're over the hill right so that's the same thing that happens to a guitar top on a loud stage it just gets vibrated like like it'll get compared to playing it in your living room it'll get a month worth of play equivalent in a in a in a one weekend and so i'm i i really like i really hope that people are mindful about that they don't know it you know i mean you don't you don't know it that it could potentially ruin the tone of the instrument. It'll lose its highs and its punch sometimes. And so, you know, breaking in a guitar, it's actually breaking it. Breaking in is breaking. And there's an ideal amount of breakage. And then, adios, it's over. So, you know, these vintage guitars will have a, a a playing lifetime and then they're going to go over the edge and uh so it it breaks my heart when i see these treasures get get played on loud stages so you yeah. know save them for your recordings Just play them at home you know yeah. you the the audience after three or four beers they're not going to know the difference between a pre-war Martin and a Takamini. Um, <laughs> and I love talks, but I mean, they won't know the difference. And, and, and so I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty passionate about that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Tad, I, 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 I'm, I'm having fun, but I mean, I, a, a complete captivating hour. And I think we should let this guy go. Well, we should uh, ask him if there's anything else you would like to tell us about. What are there any uh, top secret things coming out in the next year that you want to uh, let the universe know now? Or, uh... <laughs> oh gosh, um, no, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, uh, there are, but I shouldn't open my yap here and. <laughs> Have have you guys ever read? I I'm really not trying to. I'm really not trying to, um, even su remotely suggest that I'm anything like Steve Jobs. But he had. Have you guys ever read his autobiography or his biography? Yeah. Oh, part of it. It's it's really fascinating. He did this thing called a forcing mechanism, which he would put some crazy date or some crazy goal on stuff. And then just demand that his people do that. So the NAM show is kind of our forcing mechanism. And sometimes, you know, it's the one big heartbeat a year 
it's our forcing mechanism and sometimes you take things to nam that you're not really quite sure how to make yet just yesterday we nailed the microphone suspension we were we were optimistically hopeful we wouldn't have taken it to nam unless we believed we could solve the problem that we were close but we didn't really nail it till yesterday and now it's like we it is iced we're really happy with the performance of the microphone it's, it's consistent uh we know it's totally reliable and you know so now now we're on to doing the final tuning of the product because we can trust the microphone response so oh. yeah so you know we got a bunch of other irons in the fire of course because one of the things we love to do is invent stuff but um probably shouldn't we do have we do have you know that's yep. that's one thing you know it, it, it's a fact of life that a lot of us like richard and bob uh, you know me we're all getting older and we all have a shelf life and uh but we have you know so you know what sell our bags gonna do when when lloyd's not there anymore well we have got we have got so many great products sitting waiting to be developed that in the pipeline pipeline already uh and you know i have been so blessed this last couple of years has been one of the most creative periods of my life and i, I don't know maybe you have covid to thank for that like when 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 covid arrived you guys probably thought you know uh we're, we we make musical equipment by definition it encourages socialization so we thought we were dead we thought it was over and we thought we were going to be in the soup lines <laughs> and then and then crazy this crazy hobby thing happened and our business just really took off i mean it was we had growth instead of decline and but we were all still most of us were working from home and uh that you know i've got a i've got a i've got an old thousand square foot building in my home with with all, all of my guitar making equipment from the years ago and a bridgeport mill and a lathe and I can, you know, that's my happy place. I can go, I can go make, makes, just leave me alone and let me, let me work on my bridge port for an hour. And I am, I'm, I'm just stupid happy. So I got to do a lot of that during COVID and, um, you know, we just put our foot on the gas. So, okay, we're going to survive this. And so instead of, instead of being conservative, during that period of time we all just said hey let's go for it because this is going to end someday and we want to be ready and come out swinging when uh, it's over so our guys just dug in and we made it work and 
you know, like us, we all survived. Yeah, we 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 talked we talked to so many players um, on the on podcasts during that period of time, and all of them felt like it wasn't really isolation. That what we were going to see was the real renaissance at the end of at the end of it, you know, and yeah. and some really great great things were gonna gonna come out of it. And you and Tad are brothers of a different mother. Tad has six bandsaws. Oh yeah. Um, Twenty minutes. I, have, two, I I only have two. Well, actually three. <laughs> I only have three. I, I'm I'm weak. Yeah, and it was. Minutes a dro- started, Twenty minutes before we started this podcast, I just fired up the 380 volt motor on this little Arboga mill that I just picked up recently. Oh. Uh, but now I know it works. Now I'm gonna go when the podcast is over. I'm gonna get back over there and keep fixing that machine up. So. Oh, I love it. <laughs> There are 300 hand planes in drawers. This guy's this guy seriously has 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 a, a machine problem. Wow. Richard, Richard says he has more than that. Don't let him tell you it, it's less than that. I've seen it. It's 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 a mountain of of things and and it's it's, it's fantastic. Oh, it's okay. Dad. Be proud of it. Be proud of it. Tools Dad, are I- fun. Ted, Ted, I have to drop a match on what I'm hoping or think. If you're not already there, I'd be surprised. But if you're not, I'm going to drop a match on dry tender. Do you know about the Japanese katana pull planes? Mm-hmm. Do you have any? I do. I mean, you can, the stuff you can do with that, <laughs> those those planes are like, I mean, you could you could just pull a piece of parchment shaving off four oh. feet long and have you seen the uh the 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 youtube videos on the competitions for yes. shavings in japan oh my yeah. god yeah yeah i've never gotten mine dialed in quite to that level but it's it's amazing <laughs> yeah we'll have to get together and talk about it sometime <laughs> yeah man i, I would oh, love to see your tool collection that's oh my goodness well that's if you some... ever make it back up to berkeley you are welcome all right. Well, thank you. I'm trying. I'm trying to add to his tool collection and telling him it's not going to rain tomorrow. But it, it. But it. It sounds like it is. Um, Lloyd, so much. What. Yeah. What. What a, what a pleasure. Um, well, thank you. It's been my pleasure. It's been, I've really enjoyed yeah. the conversation with you guys, and yeah, I love the opportunity to thank you for the opportunity to share my story. Well, let's let's plan on doing this again next year, shortly after NAM, so you can tell us about yeah. what other new good things have come out in the next year. Okay, I I, I will I will actually let. Okay, let's book it. Yeah, Perfect. I'm booking it. I'm All right. It. Um, <laughs> thank you so much. Have a wonderful afternoon. Thank you. You guys too. We hope you enjoyed this installment of the Santa Cruz Coffee Break. For more music-related fun, please join the Santa Cruz Guitar Players Forum at. SCGCPF or Santa Cruz Guitar Players.com. If you have any questions or possible podcast topics, please contact us. If you have a product or service that you feel would be of value to our listeners, please consider adding your support and keeping the coffee pot on. Contact us for more information. We ask that you hit the like, follow, bell, or bookmark buttons so we can keep you informed of upcoming podcast episodes. We hope you enjoyed Santa Cruz Coffee Break. Now it's time to go play your guitar.